You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to Episode 5 of Christianity as a Movement. This is so much fun to think about how God could move us to a movement, and then God would use us to move the movement that Christ gave his heart for, gave his life for, trained disciples for, and we get to be part of it. What a privilege it is. You know, as we talk about movements, uh, we need to talk about the leadership role. So movements require leaders who help people deal with fear. Everybody's afraid of the unknown, and that's fair. You know the story of David and Goliath. Goliath is more likely to win, but guess what? Sometimes David does. So David had the courage to face Goliath, but his courage was anchored in faith in God. And to this day, all these centuries, God continues to help people do impossible things, but they're possible because all things are possible with God. Perhaps the biggest challenge is to see ourselves, every one of us as Christians, as people who have a calling. We don't have a job at church. We don't have a a role at this or that at church. We all have a divine calling, and that was mentioned in another episode, is connected to our spiritual gifts. We find our calling. And when we have a calling, and when we know we have a calling, which we all do, God has not allowed us to be Christians to sit around and consume, but we have a calling. And when we have a calling, we're on a mission from God. Every day, everywhere, everyone we meet, all the time, We're on a mission from God. And here's the deal. A calling is not the same as church membership. And a calling is not simply doing programs. And a calling is not limited to the goals of a congregation. A calling is used by God to change the world the nation, the community, the family next door, the woman at work, the guy at the gym. That's this movement that we're a part of. And we have a calling to that movement. A spiritual movement does not compete with things like the government. You should avoid politics. And we have way too much politics in churches, in denominations. There's no place for politics in the church because we're not running for anything. We're running for God. There should be no politics because we're involved in ministry. We should focus on our values, our beliefs, our attitudes, our priorities, and our worldviews that come from Scripture. A movement is not identified as against the government. It's just apolitical. It just doesn't have a political backbone. 
There's no political backbone to the Christianity and the movement unless we put it there. And we do. We have elections and votes rather than going by spiritual gifts. And we have bylaws and rules instead of dealing with each other relationally and following Matthew 18 where if someone offends you, you go to that person and you work it out. We're on a mission. It's a movement. And the focus is on love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and self-control. You see, a spiritual movement is a collection of those that have holy discontent. They just can't stand the way the world's going. They can't they can't believe that the kingdom of God can't take over people and change people and change families and change communities and change countries because it has many times and it will any time we avail ourselves to the hand of God on our lives. A movement doesn't have the objective of a revolution. A movement is all about transformation from the bottom up, not politics from the top down. A movement is a parallel activity to things like government. And a movement draws others, helping them find courage and solidarity and hope. That's true of every movement. It was true of the movement when Mandela got involved in South Africa and changed history. When Martin Luther King Jr. in America developed a movement in the 1980s, the Jesus movement had a tremendous impact on Christianity in America. These are movements. We call them movements. They're parallel activities drawing people together and helping them find courage, solidarity, and hope. Think about the Christian church in America today. How much do you see courage? Where do you see solidarity? We're like a bunch of separate islands in a community, most often working independently, more against each other than with each other. And hope. How much do people who are not Christians long for hope in the world we know today? It's huge. So here's the movement test. If your faith, your church, is a movement, it is, number one, parallel to the government, not a government of itself, doesn't have governmental baggage, like rules and laws and regulations, except what God has put down in Scripture. Number two, is it drawing others? Number three, is it helping others to find courage? Number four, is it forming solidarity? And number five, is it infusing hope in people? And if it's not doing those five things, it's not a movement. And it's supposed to be a movement. So make it a movement. Because a movement has the power of multiplication. Making disciples means exponential growth. The church doesn't remain static. It's not supposed to. It's not made to do that. 
It's not even supposed to occasionally add a few members, a few new believers. The church is supposed to explode with growth. Not explode in the sense of coming apart, but in the sense of exploding with multiplication of growth. You see, to fill the earth, God commanded Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1.28. So then later on in the New Testament, what did Jesus say about filling heaven? If you want to fill the earth by being fruitful and multiply, what is the way to fill heaven? It's to be fruitful and multiply. Jesus commissioned his followers in essentially the same way as the creation of the earth and the population of the earth. Go make disciples. Go multiply. Make disciplers who disciple, who multiply themselves, and make disciples who are disciplers who disciple and multiply themselves, and on and on and on in geometric progression. The bottom line is that God has designed the Christian movement to be viral. The word viral comes from the word virus, which also usually has a negative connotation to people that are sick. I mean, people catch the flu and spontaneously spread it to all their social network. Well, that's the virus of Christianity. You're supposed to spread it to anyone you come in contact with. And this is why sharing your God stories as a, a way of life is so valuable. You see, when Christians spread the faith to those around them, it becomes a Jesus epidemic, which is not a bad thing. It's the best thing that could ever happen to anybody, ever. It's an eternal blessing. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't be listening. And because you believe that, I say to you, go out and start a Jesus epidemic. One person can do this. In fact, often it's one person who starts it. The Christian movement is designed by God to go viral. It is not just an historic building doing the same old, same old, perpetuating the same size group of people forever and ever until the last one dies before you die, turn out the lights. The decline in the death of churches is absolutely a direct opposite from everything God intends the church to be. But you know, sometimes a tragedy or a challenge launches or relaunches the Christian movement. Sometimes things get so bad, Christians finally regain their understanding, their willingness to participate in the movement of Christianity rather than business as usual, feed us consumerism. Sometimes God allows terrible things to happen that spark a movement. You'll remember in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 8, there was a young guy, Stephen, who was out being part of the movement. And Word has it that Paul had something to do with this before he was converted on the road to Damascus. He was a bad guy before that. There was the stoning of Stephen. And, and Paul stood by and cheered. Acts 7, 59 to 60. 
And there were the persecution of Christians in Jerusalem. Acts 8, verse 1. And what it says is they were forced to leave home base. The followers of Jesus, when they left home base, they were persecuted. They were driven out of their area. It says the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. It goes on to say in Acts 8, 4, wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. So a startling, horrible thing happened to Stephen, and it ignited a new movement. People were scattered. They were persecuted. They were feared for their life. And so they scattered all over. And wherever they went, they told people about Jesus. And Christianity started to explode. And it continued that way. So, if you want to start a flu epidemic, you don't start by inviting people to go to the hospital to catch it from sick people who are at the hospital. What you do is you take the sick people out and ask them to mingle out in the community. Think of the hospital as your church building defined as destination. It's just wrong. The destination is your social network. Your social network of unchurched people and the unchurched people in the social networks of all the people in your church represent your primary mission field as a church. And they're not all going to come to your building. Not at first. You have to go to them. It's why the Great Commission starts with the word go, not y'all come. What we do by putting all of our activities and efforts into some building, some church building, is we quarantine Christians. When we make all the ministry about that building and that work of that building, we inoculate them from spreading the holy infection of Christianity. Christianity is a movement, and it's as much caught as it is taught. It's not caught like you catch a ball. It's caught like you catch the flu from another person who's got it. But only when people are up close and personal with other people who don't yet have it. The other thing about a movement and the Christian movement is that the Christian movement is not a spider but a starfish. There's a great book came out many years ago called The Spider and the Starfish. And it's about this basically true reality about spiders and starfish. And it has a lot to do with movement. Because you ask yourself the question, why, why would God's plan be for Jesus to live, then die, rise again, but then ascend into heaven and leave town, leave the earth? Because if you cut the head off a spider, it dies. But you see, Christianity is not like a spider. Because when Jesus was on this earth, he emptied himself of his divine nature. And because of that, he could not be everywhere at once. However, Jesus, having left, sent the Holy Spirit so that Jesus can be everywhere in every Christian and every believer always, everywhere we go, and the movement can continue through you. And so the church is like a starfish. And this is astonishing, but it's true. If you cut off 
a part of a starfish, the starfish grows that part back. But the part you cut off becomes another starfish. That's what the story of Stephen is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. That's why getting out of your church it's all about. That's why starting house churches and other establishments of your church is all about. Starting new venues off campus. It's like the starfish. A piece goes off and starts another starfish. That's multiplication. That's movement. For many decades now, people around the world have been very aware of the name Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is like a starfish. It's the church, but in a negative, very negative approach. Of course, ISIS. It's hard to stop ISIS because when you cut it apart, it starts new cells. It's like a starfish. And that's the way the church is supposed to be. Divide and multiply. Move out and multiply. Always multiplying. Isn't it crazy that ISIS is that way and the church has forgotten the way God made it? How ironic. It's just nuts. Jesus told his disciples, John 16, verse 7, when he was leaving this world, he said, so let me say it again. Let me tell you this truth. It's actually better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And boom, Christianity just exploded across the Mediterranean world because it became a movement. Because it became a movement of multiplication. At Church Doctor Ministries, we consult churches, and we just consulted a church in Montana. And uh, it's an unusual church in that the people in that church are very, very deeply involved in Bible study and more mature in Christianity than, sadly, most churches that we get into. At such a degree and at such a level that I couldn't believe it, and the reason they called us to do the consultation is they have two pastors, and they're both near retirement age or past retirement age, and they're both retiring on the same day, about two months after we were invited to the church to consult the church. And at first we thought, you know, it's a little late to call us. I mean, you know, it takes a while to get another pastor and... Uh, get the congregation moving. But what we didn't know until we got there and we met more and more people and interviewed all these people, and we learned how deep they are and how some of these people who aren't pastors have preached. And the pastor has trained and equipped them to do that, the senior pastor. And the senior pastor said, you know, there's no problem with us leaving and you doing the consultation now because... You're going to give the report and the recommendations, and yeah, they won't get a pastor right away. There's always a vacancy time. I mean, it's, you know, they've got to go through the process of finding another pastor, and then that pastor has to decide whether they're going to come or not, and then the one that decides actually comes, and then that may not be the first one that they, they ask, and then the one that 
actually does decide, has to say goodbye to their church, and they have to pack and move, and their family and all that stuff has to happen. So, yeah, it takes a while. So what are they going to do in the meantime? Well, when we looked at this church and found all these people that were willing and ready and eager to step up, we said, you know what, for a while, you people can run this church. They have an administrator on staff that's going to stay, and they've got someone that does the children and someone does the youth, and they're staying. And they've got a worship team, but it's going to lose both their leaders because their leaders were the pastor's wives. But nevertheless, maybe they'll start doing some new things. And so there's a starfish, not a spider. If you call the pastor the head of the church, which, you know, it's important to have a pastor, so that's kind of true. Not Christ is really the head of the church, but you know what we mean from a human point of view. And they're going to lose both of them. They'll have no pastor. Go from two to zero in one day. But you know what? This is going to be a time that the people are going to be activated, and those that are deep in Scripture are going to lead. And I... I totally predict that church is going to grow during its vacancy. It's a starfish. It's the way the church is supposed to be. And I'm sad to say that that's very unusual. But it is. It's a starfish. Without the head, they'll get a head back. But in the meantime, it's going to continue to grow. So Jesus said, let me say it again, this truth, it's better that I leave If I don't leave the friend, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. John 16, 7. That's the movement of multiplication. And so there's this centrifugal force. And you see it in Matthew chapter 5. Where Jesus says, you are here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. Jesus says, God is not a secret to be kept. We're going to go public with this, a public as, as public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand now that I have put you there on a hilltop, on a light stein, on a light stand. Now that I put you there in that kind of light situation, he says, shine, shine. That's a movement. Your movement shining. Matthew 5, 14 to 15. And then in John 17, 19, Jesus prays a serious prayer. I mean, all prayers are serious, but this one's mega serious. And he says this, Father, make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is concentrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. And I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so that they'll be truth consecrated in their mission. Yeah, you're part of a movement. And your mission, should you accept it, is to be a movement person, to disciple disciples who become disciplers, 
who will disciple others and start a movement. I want to close with a story that took place this last week. I was in Wisconsin working with a church, and I did a workshop at the end of that time with the church. Our office put out information all over Wisconsin to invite people in churches if they wanted to come to this workshop. And I got to the location of the workshop. It was in the church I was consulting. And there was this guy at 8.30. didn't start till 9, so I want to make sure that, you know, I would get there a little bit before 8.30. And uh, I set up a little bit, and then I was getting ready to welcome people. And this guy came in, and he said, Hi, my name is Dave. He said, You probably don't recognize me, and you may not remember my name. But back 20-some years ago, on one of the five trips you took to Russia to train young pastors when Russia was unraveling and they were letting young people who were in jail for their faith, they were letting them out of jail. And we were training them. He says, you invited me along. You had just consulted our church and you invited me to come. And after the big workshop, the big conference of several days, I think it was more than a week in Moscow, at a big venue, thousands of young people. Our group, about 20 people that I recruited to go on this uh, trip to help out in various ways, it was divided up into groups, and we uh, had one group, the group that I was with, went from Moscow to Nizhny Novgorod, a city of over a mil- well over a million. And... Uh, I preached at a church that um, was in a theater. Most of them were in those days. There were no churches for these young people, so they were renting theaters and packing them out with young people. I mean, it was a revival that most people don't even know about and happened in Russia. And we were there to train people who were starting churches. Anyway, this guy, Dave, he says, yeah, he says, I was in that group that went to Nizhny Novgorod as well as, you know, at the conference in Moscow. And he said, "Um, there in Nizhny Novgorod, I met this guy who was a Christian, and I've been back to Nizhny Novgorod dozens of times over these last 20-some years. He says, my wife and I have put money into and started a Christian camp. And this guy that I met, I equipped and trained to run the camp, a Russian, a Christian, and kids from all over Russia come by train in the summertime to go to that Christian camp. And he said, I've also quit my secular job, and I'm the pastor of one of the several sites of a 3,500-member church. I've never gone to seminary, but I was trained by these other pastors, and now I'm the campus pastor at this one campus of the church. I don't preach because they bring the senior pastor in to preach for all these sites, but he said, I am the pastor of that church, and he showed me his card, and he said, and by the way, I've been praying for you and your wife. My wife and I have been praying for you and your wife every week. For the last 27 years. And I just stood there. And I didn't know what to say. And I've shared a story probably a dozen times already in the last week. While I'm recording this, I have goosebumps again. I just, 
I, I just could hardly remember the guy. And here's the deal. When you're making disciples and you're giving people opportunities to grow in their faith, only God knows what can happen. And you may not know about it this side of eternity. Or somebody might come up to you like this and just blow your mind and share this story like you had no idea. I had no idea this guy, Dave, was even still alive. I, I don't even know if, if I would have remembered him if he hadn't told me. And the pastor of the church where who was hosting the workshop was standing right there. And later that day, he said, you know, you just don't know how many people you've never met that you've had influence on. And I said to him back, I said, you're the same way as a pastor. In fact, every Christian is that way. You will never know, especially if you're a movement multiplier. I'm not holding myself up as an example or that pastor. I'm just saying that if you will move the movement, God will blow you away not only here on earth, but also when you get to heaven, you will absolutely be astounded about what a movement of Christianity can do when it starts with you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray that those who listen to this podcast will become movement people and that you will anoint them, as you promised, to move a movement in their church, through their church, out of their church, beyond their church, that you will use their lives as movement multipliers and we'll give you all the glory and honor and be absolutely speechless about what you do with ordinary people like us. Absolutely, you do miracles and we thank you for it, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.